to Lead Generation Strategies for B2B Tech Companies, a podcast by Brightvision. Here, you will learn how to generate great leads from the most experienced B2B sales and marketing people. Your host today, and always, is Jakob Levenbrand, CEO at Brightvision. Let's get started. Hello and welcome to the B2B Legion podcast for tech companies. My name is Jacob Lovenbrown. I'm the Managing Director of Bright Vision as well, host of this podcast. And today we're going to talk about using programmatic prospecting to drive more meetings with Brent Keltner, who is the president of Winalytics. And he is also a creator of the value-driven growth methodology and author of the book, The Revenue Acceleration Playbook, which is an awesome book. Um, Brent has spent over 10 years in, as a revenue leader in different enterprises, early stage, as well as big ones, and have also a scientific background from Stanford and a PhD. So a smart guy we're interviewing here today. So <laughs> with that short intro, welcome to our podcast, Brent. Jakob, thrilled to be here. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, and we are so stoked to Pick your brain about revenue acceleration and programmatic prospecting and so forth. So, I but I must say, um, you have an uh, quite an uh, an ordinary background for being a sales and marketing specialist. So, please tell us a bit about yourself, your story, and also what you're doing these days. Yeah, so I uh, I was a math history guy both in college and in graduate school. I did a PhD in industrial relations. Uh, and, you know, I think I got into, I, I liked research, but I liked bringing dollars in the door more than I liked research and, you know, good revenue leadership, good sales, good, good marketing. It's really about telling stories about value for your buyers and customers. And it's about pattern recognition, which stories are landing with who. And so I just kind of was good at, uh, telling stories for the right audience and teaching my teams how to do that. So I, I migrated, my first revenue leadership job was with Kaplan. And then I had a series of uh, roles as a revenue leader and CEO at uh, higher ed focused companies, selling into colleges and universities, had four quick growth successes, just using the methodology that's in the book, and then started being a consultant to help, you know, dozens of up to hundreds of other companies now, either as a consultant or a mentor, uh, grow faster. And uh, now you're running a company called Winalytics. Can you tell I us am. a little bit about what you're doing there? Yeah, I mean, we we talk about uh, what we do as sales and go-to-market consulting, and it's more and more go-to-market than sales because you know well, Jakob, that in the current buying a, a customer environment, if your sales strategy is disconnected, from your marketing, your customer success strategy, you're dead because customers don't follow a linear journey. So getting alignment on value positioning um, and personalizing value to buyers, every team's got to do it. So we, our work is usually helping teams to personalize value by what's the buyer role, where do they sit in the organization? What's the buyer goal? What do they care about today that they're talking to you about? And what market segment do they live in? Because if you're in manufacturing versus high tech versus hospitals versus, you know, people think about peers and the stories they want to hear and the way they want to hear the value prop expressed are slightly different. So we do work on building value plays by role, goal and segment 
and then building team level playbooks because your marketing website or your demand gen is different than a outbound prospecting motion, which we're going to talk more about today, is different than a sales motion, is different than account management or customer success. So every team has to have their playbooks. How do they run plays for their buyer or customer interactions that lead with personalized value? They don't lead with your product. Your product matters, but only once you have something your buyer really cares about that you can help solve. So we build those team level playbooks to really just change the way every go-to-market team thinks about interacting with the market. Always leading with your buyer or customers. Why? What do they value? How do they, you know, do they see you as part of a more successful future? And what actions will they take mm. to partner with you towards that more successful future? So interesting. And these are a few of the topics and ideas you brought up in your book that you actually released this spring. Yeah. Fantastic Came out in book. April. Yes. And, Thank you. Uh, I bought both the Kindle and the Audible version of it. So I <laughs> could overlap them a bit as prep for this podcast. But I think it was very interesting. And one of the sections in there was about the playbooks there, but also about the the buyer's journey and the authenticity uh, buyer's journey. Can you just, before we go into the programmatic prospecting, lay out a little bit of the groundwork there uh, about the buyer's journey and why it's so important to get that right? Yeah, we talk a lot about, as you know from the book, an authentic buyer journey and having authentic conversations, which really just means anchoring on your buyer or customer's why and understanding what they're willing to do about that, right? So the old world of selling is you controlled all the information, sales and marketing teams, buyers had to come to us. So it was about us and our products and our successes and how great we were. You know, the internet, right? I mean, 15 years later, internet, social media, peer review sites, buyers and customers, they don't need more information about us. They have all the product comparisons, the pricing, they can go to their peers, they can get reviews. What they need us to do is starting on our website, show up and tell, show how we can help them with their specific goals and business objectives. So the new way, what we call an authentic buyer journey, authentic conversations has to be always anchoring on what your buyer and customer cares about. Every conversation starting beginning, middle and end is on that. But the other part of it is you have to ask them to take action because people are so busy and distracted after every interaction, you have to take them, ask them to take action to show that they want to move the conversation forward with you. Otherwise, you're just wasting your time on tire kickers mm. or people that, you know, moved off. So, you know, authenticity doesn't mean you just the customer says jump and you say how high. It's about starting with them, mm. Right and what will make them more successful, and then asking them to make commitments to move forward towards that more successful future together. Mm. So interesting, but also hard to get to work in, in practice and, and to understand all these things, but uh, very, very, you laid it out so well there. And, and then also how to get your organization aligned around those things. Uh, and one of the tools there you suggest are the playbooks for the different motions, as you said. But what are the, what are your conclusions in the book that are the 
top two ideas you know that you think most organizations need to focus on when it comes to implementing those processes yeah yeah the number one and a couple of your audience members asked questions as they knew this episode was coming up i mean the number one and then we'll talk about programmatic prospecting but the number one is you really have to spend time on thinking about across your go-to-market team the leadership mm-hmm. has to spend time on what we call your value playbooks Right. And the question we ask is just on your website, can your buyers see themselves? And, you know, some companies do have segmentation by role and by use case or goal and segment. Some may only have a couple of those. If you're more of a point solution, you probably just have one use case across different segments. But the question is, every one of your key buyers, can they see themselves on your website? Can they see case studies? Can they see testimonials from people like them that are trying to solve a similar problem? So as a team, if you really want to drive revenue acceleration, it starts with agreement on how do we communicate personal value along those dimensions. Um, And so teams can do it on their own. We often do, we will lead processes to build those value plays. Until you have those value plays, you know, different parts of the organization, um, are telling different stories. We I talk about burning glass, which is a labor market uh, information technology company. They serve both colleges, universities, and corporations. We were working with the higher ed division, and the sales and the customer success team had different ways of talking about their buyer use cases, different language, right? And so, guess what happened? You sell something, you hand it off to your customer success person, and your buyer is totally confused. It's like, wait a second, we were we were on a different conversation. Once they just lined those up and agreed and had the stories, now the expansion motion, right? Because you can onboard, hey, I heard from my sales team member that your number one goal was undergraduate enrollment, but you're also thinking about workforce development and graduate enrollments for your business school. Did I hear that right when you're onboarding them? And let's think about the right time to come back to those other goals. So once you build those value plays, they see it on your website. They hear it in a prospecting outreach. We talk more about programmatic prospecting, what that means. They hear it in the first sales call. They hear it when they land, they expand faster. You're educating your buyers by aligning on your value messaging. You're educating them on how to engage with you, how to buy from you, how to buy more from you. It just takes friction out of the buyer and customer journey. So interesting. Yes. Uh, Thank you for laying that out. And very, very interesting. And as you said, one of the concepts also that you have pioneered and defined here is what you call programmatic prospecting. And, uh, you know, uh, if we dive into that as today's topic a little bit here, how would you define programmatic prospecting in 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 uh, relationship to normal prospecting or or the way people see it uh, in general? So to say, yeah, yeah. I mean, I think for your the marketers in the audience and people thinking about early funnel, it two concepts that you already know really well, which is account based marketing and A B testing in your prospecting campaigns. It's the blend of those. What it really is just saying is we're going to identify our key personas that we, we know every sale, you know, Gardner says there are six to eight buyers on the other side. 
So it really just means that we are thinking about in the ABM motion, personalized value, and then doing AB testing around each of those to see how do I land quicker. And then the other part of it is if you really think about an ABM motion, um, you know, you get to an initial sale, but your goal is to go to a bigger sale. And so you have to think about in that stack of personas, who are the initial users, who are the enterprise buyers. And so to make it concrete with an example company, we did some work with called Parsable that has a handheld device for manufacturing shop floors to automate a lot of standard operating procedures and workflows. So you don't have to go off to the shelf. It's the workers can on the line in maintenance or production or um, continuous improvement can work from their handheld. So for them, the ABM motion is they, yeah, they started with a really general value prop, right? This is about automating processes. But then when they started to talk about predictive maintenance to the people in predictive maintenance or to the CI people, they started to talk about, you know, the optimization of data, right? The standard operating procedures. And they had a different message for the safety people as they align those messages, they would get more traction with individual buyers and they kind of tested on what messaging worked. And then ultimately their goal is to get to a regional VP of operations or a COO, somebody that sits over all of those. Uh, and so now you have a messaging about, hey, we, we're automating, the more, the more processes we can help you move from paper to automation, the more enterprise value there is for you. So they just, you know, would personalized message based on persona, based on the role goal, um, and then thinking about just testing that and then how do those fit together? And it's not easy. I, I don't wanna say it's easy. Uh, no, okay. But it all starts with this thinking about personalized value. And in the world today, uh, you know, we're, it's back to the future, right? I mean, mm. you have yeah. to personalize. People are overwhelmed with the amount yeah. of noise and stuff coming at them. Definitely. So interesting. And um, in order to get this to happen, do a client um, to yours uh, implement this process do they rely on any tools or could you use your existing CRM system or what do you need in order to get this to this structure to, to, you know, take effect in a, in a sales or prospecting team? Yeah, I think what you, so on the, the, just a couple of kind of very tactical things, once you agree on the value plays, one, one way of just getting people lined up on that is, okay, what's our best content for each value play? So, for my manufacturing man, what are the capabilities I'm going to talk about in my parsable platform, right? What are my best stories with other clients that show a manufacturing win? Do I have any blog posts related to manufacturing? So if you think about, you know, you, you a lot of your content management systems, you can organize libraries like that. So just organizing your libraries but then there are more and more, I think of Mediafly uh, as an example of a CRM plugin. There are more of these that just show uh, engagement with content. I mean, there's a number of these like engagement with content, consumption of content, time on content, forwarding of content. And so thinking about content as a qualifier, right? From a marketing point of view that you wanna build the arc of the journey, if you just agree on the content that 
is at different phases. What are we going to use on the website? What can you use on a sales or a customer success conversation? And then you commit to measuring engagement with content. You can actually, th those are the two things that can help you execute this across your buyer journey in a more consistent way. That's cool. Do you work as a sales, marketing, or channel manager and would like to generate great leads to your B2B tech company? Then we are here for you. By creating a qualified sales pipeline and strengthen your position in the tech industry, we help you grow. Depending on your needs, we use effective strategies like inbound marketing, telemarketing, account-based marketing, and paid media. Get more information on brightvision.com. What challenges is there typically uh, uh, if you try to do this you know, and try it and, and you actually get it up and running? Uh, where do you see the challenges? Where do companies go wrong when uh, implementing programmatic prospecting or so forth? Yeah, I, I, there are three, right? Is One is they don't actually commit to capturing the right content. I mean, mm. we know in today's world, like, Peer success stories and particularly video testimonials, more important than anything else. So actually, you're the major buyers and start with two or three of your most important buyers. But think about your value with them telling you your value. Right. Mm -hmm. So just commit to that. Uh, and then the other thing that, that happens is people will get started with this and they kind of, you know, quickly it gets scrambled. It's like, oh, we didn't get the results we wanted right on the first round of outreach to each persona. So they just stop and they start doing large scale blast outreach um, se sequences. Mm. Uh, so that's the second thing is you, you got to do it for a while. And maybe it's not your only kind of uh, outreach. You know, maybe you have more large scale, but you pick some more targeted personas just to get better at how do I use content? How do I use targeted messaging to personalize value? See, get some early wins, and then you can add more personas. So that's the second way. And then I think the third way is you really have to have the go-to-market team. You, the go-to-market team leadership has to align on the importance of personalizing buyer value. Mm. Uh, what we see often is if one part is there, but the other part is still in much more of a, you know, ad hoc mode, we're just going to try stuff and throw stuff against the wall. It breaks down really quickly. And so ultimately, you know, we make the argument that CEOs up to maybe, I don't know, 50, $100 million companies have to own go-to-market strategy mm. because yeah. they have to own the positioning that goes from the website to the prospecting, to the sales and the success to product. Um, and so the CEO in some way has to commit to, we're going to lean into buyer value. We are going to be a learning organization. Uh, to understand how we deliver the most value to each of our personas. That's so, that's interesting. so interesting. And also yeah. something that's really hard to, to achieve. But uh, uh, so the CEO needs to be the owner of the go-to-market positioning and the strategy, even though we need to align it in all the different areas uh, uh, affecting the clients. I think that's a, that's a great uh, great conclusion. But, uh, I, I would I would say this a little bit. So CEO is too busy to own it. Mm -hmm. CEO has to be the executive sponsor. Mm, okay. And force yeah. each of their go-to-market leaders 
to have a process to build that alignment. Mm. Because sales, marketing, customer success, different personalities. We work with all three, right? I mean, very stereotypically, you know, marketers are really smart and they like to use evocative language and they think about, you know, kind of initial engagement and salespeople are, you know, the stereotype is coin operated, right? But they really got to dig into just work and deals. And it's just a very process and very relationship focus. And your customer success people often focused on, customer care and nurturing and they don't want to be salesy right and they don't want to come across as you know so they're different cultures mm. and the ceo has to and so they can often just get misaligned it's just natural right based mm. on three different personalities uh so the ceo really has to keep them honest in terms of having a process to stay aligned having a mm. process to come back to how are we delivering value to each persona or do we have a regular cadence for marketing on aligning our content to those personas, you know? So that's what I would say. Have to be the executive sponsor, go to market team leadership has to do the work, of course. Mm. So interesting. And, uh, and you're totally right there. Different, different personalities, styles, and, and also different, uh, goals, uh, what they were trying to achieve and so forth. So, um, uh, um, uh, really, really important to to align that in order to get it to work, and uh, also what I'm thinking a little bit about here is that you talk a lot about content here, and you have uh, you know research which content and so forth. Could you expand a little bit about that? You know, you were talking about uh, sales reference interviews and things like that. Which key components do you see in a, in a content strategy supporting this narrative that covers the whole? Uh, the whole motion from uh, Y to Z? Yeah, the number one takeaway, I think, for your audience is get more customer stories. Mm -hmm. And we can talk more about that, but there was a demand gen study recently looking at content types by frequency. And I think cust customer case studies were number four or number five. Mm. They're number one by far. Because your customers and new buyers, they want to hear from their peers. That's the main thing they want to hear. And there's a lot of research on that. Uh, the other reason they're the number one reason by far is it, it's the only content that shifts the uh, vendor buyer dynamic from vendor buyer to peer that are having a conversation about a shared business problem. Hmm. Right. As, as soon as somebody at Parsable name drops Grupo Bimbo, when we were working on Grupo Bimbo with standardizing their manufacturing processes, this is what was going on. Mm -hmm. This is how we help them move to this new place. Now you're up here talking about solving a problem you both care about. Stories are the only thing that will do that. So there's lots of content that we recommend in a content pathway that goes across the entire buyer and customer lifecycle. But if there's one takeaway, it's get better at customer stories. And then think about all the ways you can make your, amplify your customer stories. Case studies are great, but they're a hero asset that comes later in a sales process. Short video snippets, right? Just uh, a spoken success story. We do a lot of work with our clients on just developing slides, mm. building 20 success story slides by use case, by segment, so the sales and success team could just snap them into their deck. Okay. Yeah. So not full blown cases or ROI 
things, but rather just short snippets from clients uh, with the quote and, you know, happy, happy clients. Yep. In testimonial, short story, before, after result, mm. right? This is a problem, this is a solution, this is a result slide that can capture that. I mean, that that's the stuff that really brings, if you got to get something that your buyer cares about, but then if mm. you start to talk about your capabilities in terms of a story, they're going to sit up in a very different way than if you just go through your product capability talk directs. Mm. Yeah, fantastic. And, and also uh, uh, something you're uh, referring to in the book with the value mapping and content pathways, as you mentioned there. So a problem that uh, uh, from what I, we have learned is that many marketeers feel that their client, or their prospects are sitting still in the middle of the funnel. So to say it's, it's, you know, it's, it's not super hard to bring in uh, opt-ins to events or webinars or early stage content. And you have the sales team and all the sales material and, and late stage content at the end of the funnel. But then the middle there, it can be really hard to move the middle, so to say, and, and get everybody moving there. What kind of content do you recommend to develop in order to, to get them through the middle of the funnel and into the late stage? Yeah, and by funnel here, we're talking about the marketing funnel before yeah. they become like an SQL. Yeah, exactly. They are not an SQL, but they're in your marketing systems and, and nurturing uh, workflows, but slowly, not most of them not progressing. Yeah, I mean, I, I think there, if you think about the what buyers want to see the most, it's usually, and this is, again, a demand generation, I think, institute study, it's usually uh, specific use cases mm -hmm. that you can help with, and then specific segment peer stories. So what we encourage if people have expressed some interest is just putting a very targeted use case in front of a buyer or a peer story in front of a buyer, you know, and say just something simple like, you know, would you like to learn more about how we could help you with a similar problem? So just asking them to take action to see if there's genuine interest. And then the related thing, I mean, you can do a kind of a one-two, hey, I didn't hear back from you. Is there somebody else in your organization that is responsible for that use case or leads on this initiative you know, described in this peer story or content. Uh, you, you probably know this, the predictable revenue model. It's like 20 years old that, and it's a little bit outdated, but the whole idea around prospecting was you didn't ask for a meeting, you asked for the right connection, mm. right? Who, who should I be talking? You'd go to a C, the C-suite and ask about who should I be talking to about this issue in your organization? And a fairly high push through rates. So I think you can leverage that with a targeted use case of targeted peer story and then ask people to take action. Mm. Could we have a conversation about how this could help you? Could you help me get connected to the right person in your organization? You know, if you try those two things and people don't engage, probably there's not readiness and you just have to wait for them to come back on their own. Mm. So I, I also... Yeah, go ahead. Well, one other thing I'd say is I just think the, um, you know, we talked earlier, I think off off before we got online about conferences coming back. Mm. And I think using conferences to organize uh, small group or larger group kind of theme-based sessions. So, you know, just inviting people to come to a dinner where they can hear other 
clients talk about, uh, hey, are you going to be in at this event that a lot of marketers go to? Use that as a forcing function. Like, uh, are they interested in taking one step more? Not hearing from you, but hearing from potentially peers or you know, case study, things like that. I mean, just getting in person with people builds a different kind of connection that often leads to, you know, higher engagement. Mm. Yeah, yeah. That's so interesting as well. And one thing, uh, one story from your book there was HubSpot's one revenue organization that, mm. uh, you know, uh, drove their exceptional growth over many, many years. And you... Uh, wrote about that in your book and said this is a great way to organize so forth what do you think uh, is are the learnings from what you refer to as a revenue organization and and how to organize this in order to get the funnel uh, to work yeah what you remember like the key takeaway from that story was start with your end in mind mm. start with your ideal customer profile in mind and then organize backwards your buyer journey. Um, and so that's the story was with Mark Roberts, who was the CRO at HubSpot from zero to a hundred million in revenue. Um, and that's, I, I heard him talk at ASU GSV in April and he gave a similar, more for early growth companies where what they measure in the, with their investment thesis is four months after somebody's adopted a software, what do the utilization metrics look like that suggest they're on track to be an ideal customer that's going to renew and expand? And so I think what a lot of organizations do is like marketing has their metrics, sales has their metrics, success has their metrics. And what that story is suggesting is that your metric should actually start with who's your ideal customer, not how many new opportunities mm. you generate for marketing, but how many of those align to an ICP. Mm. And if you remember in the story, he and I, we've recommended this to a number of clients, sales, you weren't judged as on closed deals, you were judged on year one expansion velocity. So did you do a good job of surfacing five use cases? You might close one, but because you servicing five meant you were working with an ideal customer, right? That could land and then expand. So I think the uh, value plays idea at the beginning, the idea that we're all messaging value in the same way, and then the measurement and rewards uh, for each team, aligning those up to uh, align to um, reward and getting ideal customers into our marketing funnel into and through our sales funnel mm. uh, and in the customer success team, those are kind of the two keys, I think, of the one revenue organization. Mm. The third one that we talked about earlier is that executive sponsorship. None of this works without the CEO or whoever those three teams are reporting into making this a priority. Hmm. Yeah, I think that story was so exciting to see how how well they were doing this. And I, I think you're totally right. Maybe we... We're not critical enough on which prospects we bring on, uh, what we sell to and so forth. So let's be more diligent around IR, ICPs and so forth. Mm. So these are great insights. And uh, I know you're a busy guy, Brent. So thank you so much for sharing this uh, with us and our audience here at uh, our podcast at Bright Vision. But I know there's a bunch of people listening here who haven't bought your book or you know haven't read your 
content. So uh, if if they want to know more, where can we send them? Uh, do you have any homepages? Yeah, well, first, thank you for having me on. It was a great conversation. So I appreciate the invitation and really enjoyed the time. As you know, uh, we have three versions on Amazon. They can just search Revenue Acceleration Playbook. They can buy a print copy, a Kindle copy, or an audible copy if people are interested. Uh, always happy for people to connect with me on LinkedIn as well. Um, there's only, I think, one Brent Keltner that I'm, I'm aware of on LinkedIn. And you'll see, you know, you're welcome to connect there and happy to start a conversation. There's a link out to our website uh, if you want to go further. Uh, but those would be my two suggestions. Yeah, awesome. And I can definitely recommend to buy your book. It's uh, it's really insightful and gives you a lot of ideas. So thank you so much for that. And thank you so much for joining us, uh, Brent. And I wish you all the best with Venalytics and future endeavors for you in, in the future. Cool. Thanks, Jacob. Thank you for listening to Lead Generation Strategies for B2B tech companies. Don't forget to subscribe. You will find it where podcasts live. Discover how we can help you with your lead generation activities at brightvision.com.